0: A reading from the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. He made him, excuse me, (laughs) let's try this again. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray.
1: Startle us, O God, with your truth, your grace, your peace. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So today, as you have heard, is the first Sunday of the ancient Christian season of Lent, and it is also the Sunday of the annual meeting of our congregation, so glad that so many of you joined us for that. And so this morning, I'm going to spend some time talking about church about the past and the future of the church and I'm going to seek to do it in ways that are not just academic or theoretical but ways that are about us here at Knox. A few weeks ago I read yet another article in a national publication about change and decline in the church. This one was written by Reverend Timothy Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Tim Keller is a best-selling author, and Redeemer is a worldwide network of thriving, worshipping communities that began in New York City. Tim Keller is one of the most recognized voices in evangelical Christianity. His article was not full of dismay. While Keller laments the demise of so many traditional congregations, he sees a resurgence of the church all around him and argues that people are still hungry for the good news of Jesus Christ. Religion still has a powerful, life-changing message and purpose for a culture that is in a dire need of one. Christian values stress community over the individual encourage generosity and question inequality. And Christians inspire people with spiritual claims that draw us beyond our daily struggles. Jesus calls us to love one another because God loved us first. And when we live that call together and authentically, the message of the church still works. The struggle of the church in these days is real, and that's true on the local level, too. And on the local level, it is a mix of dismay and hope. The Presbytery of Cincinnati, which is our local governing body, includes 60-some congregations. During the nine or so years that I've been in Cincinnati, we are closing two or three of those congregations every year. But at the most recent presbytery meeting a couple of weeks ago, I witnessed signs of real faith and hope in the midst of these challenges. One congregation closed in a part of the uh, rural Cincinnati community that has changed dramatically in the last two generations. Population has shrunk. And they gave away all their assets to serve the ministry of churches that were thriving. They spent their last year doing that. Another two congregations merged. They let go of one of their two buildings, and they let go of both of their names so that their congregations could be stronger together. And if that doesn't sound like a big deal, think about if I came up this morning and asked that of us. And speaking of us, meanwhile, here at Knox, by most measures by which we track uh, health of the church, life is pretty good here. Our worship attendance continues to recover following the pandemic. We welcome 11 new members today, and we set records in our recent stewardship campaign to fund 2023. More importantly, we are trying not to be naive about our good fortune Or imagine that we are going to be immune to the massive cultural shifts away from the institutional church. So your session decided last year that it is important for us to spend the next year prayerfully pursuing a three to five year plan and to talk about what is important to us. We will be asking questions not only about traditional church programs and initiatives but about how we prepare Knox Presbyterian Church for the dramatic changes that are afoot in church and culture. While the institutional church is having a bit of a PR crisis, it is less so with traditional Christian practices. A lot of the sociological research out there shows that while many folks are suspicious of institutions like this one, they are still interested in Jesus and in the age-old practices that exist in his name. Daily rhythms of prayer, meditative practices, fasting and feasting, intentional practices that ground one in a meaningful community. There is a resurgence in interest around these things, often because the rest of the culture has left people in search of rootedness, and perhaps religion is best equipped to offer those roots. Many, and Tim Keller is one, argue that the church will find its way into the future by reconnecting with our roots. Over the last six months or so, you have heard a lot of talk here at Knox about roots. Roots and wings was the theme of our fall stewardship campaign. We chose it because we hoped it would inspire you to give, and we are thankful that it did. But we chose it because of something that we all know about Knox. We are in a season of roots and wings. We are saying goodbye to a generation of formative Knox members who responded to God's call and worked together to build this place. As they journey up to heaven one by one, we suspect they are looking down on us, hoping that we will leap from the foundations they've laid, spread our own wings, and fly. As Lent approached and the staff looked together back at that fall theme, we realized that we had done you a disservice. We celebrated the beauty of remembering our roots, but we neglected to talk about the reality that often, roots are broken. Many of us carry difficult memories. When we think of our roots, we are reminded of hard relationships with family or with the church or with any variety of things in our past. And when roots are mentioned, we find ourselves not so much nostalgic and thankful, but regretful or even angry. And we wonder, how can wings to fly come from roots like mine? The truth is that that is the story of Christ. And that is the story of Lent, a story, it's a story of broken roots. Lent is Jesus' journey from a faithful ministry of teaching and healing into the hands of death. The roots are broken. And the greatness of the Easter story is the promise that if Christ, whose roots were broken, can climb out of the grave and experience new life, well maybe, just maybe, so can we. But we have to hope and believe. That's the story of Lent for Jesus and for those who choose to follow him and for the church that was founded in his name. Lent is a time when we are invited to examine what is broken in our relationships with God, with one another, and also it's a time for us to think about what is broken in the church and to experience the death of things that need to die and to seek the resurrection hope that is all around us if we only care to look. In worship, we often begin Lent with words from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. You heard them this morning. Paul writes, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For, Paul says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a, a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time, and now is the day of of salvation. There's a story behind those complicated words. Paul had left the church in Corinth not because he was disillusioned, he left physically. Paul had founded that congregation in Corinth and then he had continued on his travels to found other churches. As the story goes, with the passing of time, The church began to lose sight of Paul's founding influence and fell into a whole range of unholy and abusive practices. It is not unlike what people today suspect of many institutional churches. Paul caught wind of this and he wrote this letter to the church at Corinth to restore his relationship with them. And to restore their relationship with the Christian foundations that had shaped their congregation. We read the account in scripture of this story each year during the season of Lent. And we read it because Lent is God's invitation to us every year to restore our relationship with God. Lent is an invitation to look again at our faith, both as individuals and as a church, and to ask if we need to do some work remembering why we are here in the first place. Lent is a time for coming back to our roots. Caitlin, would you put up the picture I asked you to show the congregation today? Give me a thumbs up when this appears on the screen. I can't see it. There we go. Thank you. I wonder if anybody recognizes this image. This is our former church neighbor, Hyde Park Baptist Church. It's that big hole in the ground next door across from Hyde Park Square. When I saw this scene a few months ago in real time, I was blown away. For reasons that are unknown to me, the demolition company made the back wall of the sanctuary the last thing to come down. So on the day when I walked by and saw this, the image stopped me in my tracks. If you look closely at what is at the top of that back sanctuary wall, it's a frieze of Jesus at the Last Supper. There he is, presiding at his own funeral. And there he is, looking out into Hyde Park Square. It's overpriced restaurants and clothing stores in the midst of a city where people are hungry and in need of housing they can afford. He looks out into the people who walk through that square, absorbing luxuries that are not protecting anyone from the loneliness and lostness from which only Christ can save us. And his house is crumbling around him. You might be inclined to think that what happened to the Hyde Park Baptist congregation was sad. I find it inspiring, and I want to share why. The congregation is not dead, they moved. A number of weeks before this photo was taken, the congregation did the work of decommissioning their sacred building. I saw the stained glass windows and liturgical wear that started to disappear from the building prayerfully, as I'm sure all congregations do this work when they move or close. And then one morning, as I left church here at Knox, I noticed the congregation... Not just a bunch of octogenarians, but people of all ages, children, youth, and adults, families, standing outside the church praying for the church building they had called home. And then they sold it and moved on. From what I can assume, they made a bold decision that their aging building was an albatross seated atop, atop a profound real estate asset, and they made a faithful choice. They are now worshiping in Norwood and are thriving. And to quote Paul in 2 Corinthians, it seems that now was the acceptable time and the day of salvation for them to allow God to take their community in a new direction. And they were not afraid to listen and to go where God was sending them. Our situation here at Knox is much different. Of course, we are a larger congregation with a building that is still serving our ministries quite well. But those comforts have a way of lulling congregations into complacency. And I wonder what we have to learn from our former neighbors and their willingness to go where they felt Christ leading them. When you're this big and this comfortable, do you lose the ability to do things that bold? In this morning's annual meeting, those of you who were there heard the first of many reports from a strategic planning team that your session has convened to lead the congregation. It will help us imagine our mission for the next three to five years. It will take all of us to do this work well. God will help us to do it faithfully. And we have all the gifts we need to continue being a thriving congregation in the years to come. But in the face of a culture and a religious landscape that is changing at breakneck speed, my questions are this How bold are we willing to be? Will we hear God calling to us and will we respond? What will God call us to do next? With the amazing roots we have been given, will we be able to spread our wings and fly? I have no idea what the answers are to any of these questions. Will you find them with me?
0: Amen.